Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Memorial Day 2017, let us all remember those who have given the full measure of devotion so that we may be free. Today, I want to deliver a message that reflects uh, us back to the true meaning of Memorial Day. And this message is, in fact, dedicated to all of the Gold Star families, uh, those who I do not know personally, and the many hundreds who I do know personally. If you happen to be listening to this anywhere around the world and you are a Gold Star family, family member, uh, you've lost a loved one in combat, please contact me at smgreener at gmail.com or go to the ninjapastor.com. Go to the contact me, contact me on that, and request the ebook that I wrote on grief. It's free to all Gold Stars. Also, if you're on Facebook, Contact me at facebook.com backslash smgreener. Send me a private message. You'll be able to do that whether listed as friends or not. Follow me while you're there. Send me a request in private message, and I'll send it to you free of charge. And you're welcome to deliver it and uh, distribute it to anyone you like. So this show is dedicated to the gold stars. What I want to talk about today is what does Memorial Day really, really mean. And I think what's important is to focus on the fact that uh, this day – is a relatively new observance. You notice I didn't use the term holiday. We say the Memorial Day. I grew up in a resort community, a beach resort community. We call it a holiday, Memorial Day holiday. Uh, that starts the beach season, and then the Labor Day uh, holiday ends the beach season. But they are, in fact, very, very different. Because of war, we have deaths of good men and women in battle. But why? In modern society, we somehow think that we are evolved enough to be above needing to fight and needing to go to war against evil. But what does the Bible actually say about war? What does the Bible say about warriors? So today is the day that you learn that. We are remembering today those among us who have lost their closest loved ones to war. So many folks, young and not so young, they miss out on what this observance is actually about. We have very real enemies that are ruthless and without constraint in order to rape, torture, kill, and annihilate 
our entire society. They will not be stopped unless we stop them. The way that we stop them, our first line of defense is, are the warriors, the sheepdogs, the warfighters that fight the battles on our behalf. And the example of evil that you should probably easily remember today is the bombing of innocent children at the ironically Muslim sympathizer and America hater Ariana, Ariana Grande at her concert in Manchester, England. The Islamic jihadists sought to kill the largest number of women that, uh, or children and women that they could, mothers and their, and their daughters. And we recoil at that. We say, how could they? We need to stop saying, how could they? And accept the fact that they do, sadly, with relative impunity, because jihadists are indeed evil. As there is good in God, there is also evil in man. As much good as there is in God, we can't comprehend it. Such good. We also can't comprehend the evil that is in man. You know, vigils and bumper stickers saying coexist and love, not hate, they're not the only, uh, they're, they're not the only answer to evil. In fact, they're not the answer to evil at all. Bumper stickers and vigils, candlelight vigils, kumbaya vigils, vigils standing around with flowers, making big piles of flowers and stuffed teddy bears. They are not the answer. In fact, they perpetuate evil because they're insane. We fight evil with love. We fight it. We will not let love. We will not let hate win. Every time we utter that statement, we give a sword to a jihadist and we put it to our neck. They are counting on us to repeat these silly things that we repeat that have no root. In fact, no basis in fact, no basis in reason. They are insane telling you that. God also tells us that. Love would not and did not stop Hitler, and thank God there weren't bumper stickers during World War II. Can you imagine Hitler seeing a bumper sticker that read, Love camps, not concentration camps. To fight evil, we must have warriors. We must have war fighters and sheepdogs. By the way, welcome to those in chat. Thank you for joining us today. Evil doesn't repent and stop. Evil does not repent and stop. Evil only stops when it is literally killed by a warfighter. And sometimes evil wins for a while. God uses warfighters as his soldiers. Sometimes heroic warfighters, they die in the battle versus evil. And Memorial Day is the day set aside to remember those warfighters who perished in the fight against evil. Now, I happen to know that many uh, great gold star families are, are listening right now from all over this country. And to you, we owe our greatest debt of gratitude for every day is Memorial Day to you. I know that in most of you, my dear sister Debbie and Karen and, and Rosemary and Zelda and, and so many, Teresa, so many, the whole long list. Um, Mrs. Workman, so many, that you don't need Memorial Day to remind you that you have a place, a special place in your home set up to remember, to be of remembrance to the one that you dearly loved and that you lost in fighting for freedom, your warfighter. This show today is dedicated to you. But what does God think about war and warfighters? You see, we're led to believe by the pacifists and the, and the, uh, 
the people that live on the fringes of faith, not close enough to faith to have to make any commitment to it or against it, rather to ridicule it. They don't know the Bible. What does God think about war and war fighters? Here's some scripture for you. Psalm 144, 1 and 2. Now, I'm going to be quoting from the English Standard Version because I figured in this particular case, I don't want any of you to have to say, well, he's reading from a Jewish Bible. So because he's reading from a Jewish Bible, of course, it's a fan of war. So I took the English Standard Version. Psalm 144, 1 and 2. Of David, blessed be the Lord my God, who trains my hands for war, and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. John 15, 13. Greater love hath no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Ecclesiastes 3, 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Deuteronomy 21 through 4, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, hear O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Psalm 144.1 of David, blessed be the Lord who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Folks, I read that to you first because I want you to think about that. If God was in fact a pacifist, why then would David, the man who had the mind of Christ, who followed hard after God, be blessing the Lord, his rock, who trains his hands for war. He didn't say he did. He didn't say David trains David's hands for war. He said the Lord who trains his hands for war and even the fingers for battle. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. This is Psalm 33, 20, 12, 22. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army, 
A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Romans 13, 1 through 5. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Can we all agree that those in Islam who seek to kill us are wrongdoers? Can we all agree that the fellow that leads North Korea is a wrongdoer with a really bad haircut? Can we all agree those that seek to destroy us, liberty and freedom, the gift from and of God, can we all agree that there are avengers who God has chosen to stand in the gap for us? Isaiah 41.10 reads, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Romans 13.1-14. through 14. I probably won't read them all. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted from God. It talks about judgment. It talks about being a terror to good conduct, but to bad. And then why would we fear who's in authority? But you know what? If we do wrong, we should be afraid. And then the statement he makes, for he does not bear the sword in vain. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the evildoer. You know, that's so hard for so many, even many in the church. In fact, sadly, a big, a growing majority within the church would read that and say, well, that's it's very Old Testament. Like somehow or another, we, we take out of context and we replace a new context. We recreate God in our own image and we, we apply to God some sort of logic that we live in today that we think we are evolved above and beyond the idea of war. Well, the reason why people went to war is because they didn't know how to talk to one another. We had an administration, eight years of which, and if you're paying attention, maybe not just eight years of which. But we had an administration with eight years of which thought, you know, if we just give them what they want, if we just give them what they want and we talk to them and maybe we bow at the waist of them, they'll listen to us. And that's just what they need, just some talking, some conversation. Sometimes the tongue needs to be put back in the mouth. The teeth need to be clenched, just as the fist around the weapon of war, because people want very badly to do us harm but they don't just want to do us harm they want to annihilate us make no mistake north korea wants to see the end of america the end islamic jihad and the the islamic state all the different iterations of that they want to see us annihilated 
They want to see our Jewish brothers in Israel pushed into the sea. They don't want to talk to us. They don't want to agree. The ones that live, the ones that remain among us will be their slaves. They've been very clear about it. The people that keep, it, keep us from that are war fighters. Some live and some die. Those that have died are the ones we remember today. Second Timothy 2, 3 and 4, share in suffering as a good soldier of Hamashiach, Yeshua. That means Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. You know, I remember very distinctly being in the military, and I remember um, the people that I served with were extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary people. They were young like me. I remembered uh, my birthday, September 23rd, and I, I remember being in A school and turning uh, 18 in A school. And I remember another guy I bumped into at the uh, enlisted men's club. I remember going to that after class, and I remember bumping into him, and, I, you know, there was all these beer bottles in front of him, and, and I said, well, what's the party? Are we good? My birthday. And I said, did you drink all those? Hope somebody's walking you home. No, no, those are all my friends. I'm not allowed to drink yet. Isn't that interesting? He can't drink, but he could go die for his country. Couldn't buy a gun and have a concealed carry permit, but he can go die for his country. Doesn't make any sense. Not that I'm advocating the the drinking part of it, but good land. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who will listen. I remember talking to this young man. He was he was from um, yeah, just above just above Lexington, but it was just enough above and west of Lexington that it was a whole different world. And this fellow, I remember him dearly. He chewed tobacco. Now, he chewed tobacco, but he didn't spit. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. I was watching him for a while, and I said, hey, buddy, I notice you don't have a spit cup. He goes, why do I need a spit cup? Well, you get rid of all your... One time I messed up and watched him smile when he didn't have a chaw in. My goodness. Fella had an... He did. Had a, the question was for the radio audience, the question was, did he have any teeth left? He did. And and we got to talking, waxing philosophical one night. And I said, what made you join the Navy? Were there no jobs where you live? Thinking he didn't have, you know. He goes, no. There's jobs where I live. I said, then why did you join? He said, I wanted to serve my country while I still could. Really? I said, isn't that interesting? Because one day at 6.30 in the morning, I was standing at my mom and dad's big old restaurant stove in the kitchen, cooking eggs, scrambled eggs on a, a, a cast iron pan that was probably 150 years old, and deciding, you know what? I want to serve while my body is strong and my mind is sharp. He and I had the same idea. And you know what? That bond. We created a bond then. I only knew him for, I think, uh, well, I knew him. I mean, we, we kept in touch for a little while, but I only really knew him, bumping into him for just a few weeks. Good guy. Good guy. He died while loading ordnance onto an aircraft, helping a guy. They were shorthanded. Died while loading ordnance onto an aircraft. 
He had a military funeral at sea. They called his family to tell him what happened. And they said, what do you, how do you want us to handle this? Because we've looked in his file and we don't have any instructions. And they asked, well, how far are you out to sea? His dream was to be on a boat so far from land that he couldn't see land. Bury him at sea. He would love that. Now, they had no idea that the Navy would send military officers to accompany them all the way to where they were and bring them to the ship. The entire ship stood at attention and rendered a crisp hand salute in their dress whites as the helicopter came in to land. A solemn, solemn ceremony. He said he wanted to make his bosses proud. His chief and senior chief, he wanted them to be proud. No soldier gets involved in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My buddy from the hills and the hollers, he didn't know a whole lot about classic literature. But he sure knew the Bible. We would sit and talk and I'd say, man. How in the world do you know so much Bible by heart? His answer might astound you. He said, well, I do because I can't hardly read. And my mama used to read it to me all the time. And just in case there was a time where I might not, might couldn't see, I wanted to be able to recall it from my heart. That was humbling. I'm told as they tilted the plank with his flag-draped casket, as they tilted the plank, the casket slid, and normally it just slides all in one right into the sea. Very fluid motion. It stopped. His casket stopped. Paused for just a moment, as though he was saluting his fellow sailors. And then he went into the sea. He was comforted in the valley of the shadow of death by knowing that he was going home to be with the Lord. Matthew 24, 6 through 8, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. I was reading this today, and I was struck by that, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. I was struck by that. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take. My friends, we live in an evil, evil place. Our concept of evil is shaped by what evil we have experienced and been exposed to and accepted into our psyche as being real. There are many people, and I do seminars called Looking Forward to Being Attacked and uh, Anticipating Attack, in which I explain to the audience 
I explained to the audience, my favorite audience to date was 5,000 um, sorority people from all over the country. They were having a big alpha fee sorority gathering, and I was the keynote speaker. And so I did my, uh, did my little presentation. And one of the things that I talked about was when you're being attacked, if you don't train yourself or go obtain excellent training, you're going to spend the last moments of your life saying, I can't believe this is happening. Why are you doing this? Evil does not seek to be educated, only fed by the suffering of the innocent. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Soldiers go into battle. Soldiers and sailors face terrible things. Airmen fight fires when an aircraft comes in and it has a, has a problem, has a crash, and they try to save the lives of all those on board, and they risk their own life in doing it. So many, so many have given their lives. Over 9,000 bodies, I found this compelling. We don't remember the cost of freedom in the United States, but let me tell you something. The people at Pointe du Hoc on Normandy absolutely do, some of whom weren't there to experience it, but heard the stories of the American bravery, the American courage, the American valor. As over 9,000 bodies, they, they did a template of the American soldier and they use these rakes, and they rake out the shadow of those bodies on the beaches. Over 9,000. Kids, some of them grade school, who are doing this, sob. Because they know those 9,000 outlined bodies were someone's son, someone's father, someone's uncle. And they remember so much greater than we. Even as they fall, the Lord, our God, is with us wherever we go. Romans 13, 4, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Let me tell you something, folks. One thing we need to be careful of here in America on this Memorial Day is not so quickly to convert the holiday of Veterans Day into Memorial Day. Now, you might think being a veteran, I would tread lightly on that, but I must tell you this. It is highly important to observe, not celebrate, observe Memorial Day in its proper context because this is not about veterans who lived through war, but those who died in battle. And any veteran alive today would tell you, either active duty or, or uh, having served, would tell you, oh no, thank you for that, but oh no, it's not about me, it's not about the ones who came home, it's about those who gave the last full measure of devotion. Psalm 108, 12, 13, oh grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man with God. We shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. How many times have we heard about impossible odds? 
I talked last week, I think it was, about the, the Hebrew soldiers who, who were outnumbered 300 to 1 on, on the edge of a cliff. They were almost out of ammunition. And, and the enemy retreated all of a sudden. And later on, they were asked, why did you retreat? What is it that caused the retreat? What, what happened? And they said, did you not see all the regiments coming against us from on the hill? Of course we would surrender. There's no way we'd ever defeat a foe. And the six men on the side of the mountain who were praying in Hebrew to God, to Hashem, to preserve them unto glory, looked at each other in awe. They had a conversation in which I'm told, they said, hey, should we tell anybody what happened here lest they put us in the nut house? Who would believe it? Told was one of their commanders, known to be a godly man. He smiled and said, of course, of course, such faith. Deuteronomy 28, and the officers shall speak further to the people and say, is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make, his, make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. You know, Courage and bravery. I can tell you that I was very young when I joined the Navy. I was very young. And I had a very unique military experience. I must say, I look back so fondly, so fondly on my military days. I love it. I love the memories that I have. I ran into some people who, quite honestly, had every reason to be courageous and brave. And yet they were faint-hearted. They didn't last long in the military. But you know I ran into people like my buddy that went over the side. Way out to sea. Who had such courage. It was unexplainable. You could not explain the courage. That some of the people that I had. I always get frustrated when some of the, the people on the left talk about the military. We know that... Uh, the Obamas and, and uh, also the Clintons, because we can read what they wrote and watch tapes or video of them speaking. And they speak of those young people that joined the military as being those that are without option. They come from a poor town. They lack education. They lack opportunity. So, of course, what do they do? They join the military because that's the only thing they have. I can tell you I talk to people, one of which his first name is John. We were in boot camp together. And then Dotson, we were also in boot camp together. We took a lot of, I shouldn't say this, you all will think bad of me. Uh, when we were in A school together, we took a lot of money from a lot of unsuspecting fools on the basketball court. Dot was six foot six, black guy with a, with a, a full ride scholarship that he served out until he blew out his knee the third or fourth time from Grambling University, football star and basketball star. Well, me and Dot, I played the dumb white guy who, who allegedly couldn't jump, and we lose a few games. This is wrong. I'm just telling you. I'm not advocating this, but, boy, was it fun. Um, and we would lose a few games, and then the fellows thought they had us, and they would say, give us another chance, man. Give us another chance. Well, then old Sean would pop a few jumpers and accidentally dunk a ball, and, and then Dot would turn it on and start draining them from 25, 30 feet away, and, well, then we would win. 
just barely, of course. And John, John was an all-star, all-American quarterback at a top American university, broke records. These guys could have done whatever they wanted. I know, I know lots of friends who were brilliant. One of the guys, Eisenhower, I know, it's funny, he had a master's in theology. He had graduated seminary, and he was in Company 153, the best-kept secret at RTC. That was on our shirts that we did and on our flag. And he used to pray every night. We would have prayer every night. Our boot camp would have prayer. Our, our company would have prayer every single night. And Eisenhower would lead it. I remember the first time our uh, company commanders, now they would get in huge trouble for this now, but the first time our company commanders came around at nighttime when, when his little babies got put to bed, it was around 2.30 in the morning. We got up at 4.30 and we sweat the whole day. And all of a sudden it's time to go to bed. They tell us, line up. Well, we thought, oh, goodness, this is going to be a long night. The night just got longer. The senior chief said, who in here knows how to pray? And Eisenhower looked around, big old head. He had a giant head. He was bald. He was bald before he got a haircut. Trust me on that. A big head, big guy with a giant head. And you could see him looking around because you use your peripheral vision. You're not supposed to look, but I saw him because he was about 20 degrees to my right across the room. And you saw him kind of start to raise his hand. Then he was like, oh, wait, I'm at attention. I can't raise my hand. Eisenhower, you go ahead and pray. Sir, yes, sir. And then Eisenhower prayed one of the most beautiful, powerful prayers I'd ever heard in my life. You know, with a master's degree in theology, you can go in as an officer. You don't have to go in as a E1 and enlisted. Get over all that mess. And I remember after a few weeks of listening to this man pray, knowing he is clearly a highly educated man. I went over to him and I said, what in the world are you doing here? Why aren't you at officer candidate school? He said, you know what? I like regular people because I'm a regular person. I wanted to serve among regular people. I'm telling you, over the next several years, I got to, I got to meet and know and love some of the best people on the planet. Some with great opportunity, and yet they chose to be there. And others, DP and DF, I won't give their last name, was a drum major at a top military university getting his uh, degree in music. And well, the dean of students had a pretty daughter who was suddenly pregnant by the drum major. So he had a choice. You better go on and get in the military, make something of yourself. You got a baby to feed. So he did. Turns out he came from a wealthy family. Knew that. He never acted like that. And then my other buddy, also with the last name, same last name, DP and DF. Miami gang, he was a gangster in Miami. One day, as we gained each other's trust, because I really liked the guy. He's the only person, look, I'm just a kid from a farm in, in uh, Sussex County. I mean, I was just a podunk kid. I didn't know nothing from nothing. I hadn't been anywhere. I hadn't done anything. Gangster. 
didn't know anything about gangs. Me and the gang were going to get some pizza. That's what that's what I knew about. Me and the gang are going to go hunting. Not me and the gang are going to go shoot people up or get shot up. I said, what, what is a gang member? He chuckled. He had the darkest skin and the whitest teeth. I even told him, I said, good land, you got the whitest teeth. He goes, you know you ain't supposed to say that to people? I said, I, I'm just complimenting your teeth, man. I don't know what you're taking from it, but I'm just saying. And I said, tell me what a gang is. He commenced to tell me about his life. Oh, my goodness. And then he lifted his shirt and he showed me all the bullet holes in him. He said, I didn't want to live like that anymore. So I joined the Navy because I wanted to serve my country. And he did. And he was awesome. And he was my friend. None of them were faint-hearted. None of them, none of them were fearful. None of them had to go back to their house so they wouldn't make the rest of the group fearful. Had another guy came in. He had really long hair. I remember this. This was just crazy. This guy looked like a bodybuilder. I'm telling you, this guy had muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. And I thought to myself, oh, man, this guy's just going to, he's going to do 100 push-ups to our two. He's going to run forever, and we're going to be, I just thought, we're in trouble. That fellow didn't make it till the second week. He had all those muscles, but he was fearful. Couldn't take getting yelled at. And then there was Jolie and Hebert. Hebert was from New Orleans, Louisiana. Smoked like a chimney. Never saw anybody smoke like that. Came time for all that, the running and stuff. I thought, oh, Hebert's going to be way back there coughing and choking. That sucker was like a rabbit and kept running. He ran the distances. Then Jolie, we came to find out, was from uh, St. Lucia, West Indies. Dude was always smiling. I did more push-ups for this dude laughing and smiling but was glad to do it because he was funny. He kept us all laughing from the West Indies. And that boy could run so fast. I'd never seen a human being run that fast, grinning. I said, boy, you better shut your mouth. You're going to get all kinds of bugs in your mouth. He goes, nah, they won't catch me, man. Fearless. Fearless. They all went to serve honorably, every single one. They gave us bravery and courage. The ones who didn't have the courage or the bravery, if we couldn't help get together and encourage them and lift them up and help them be brave and be courageous, then they didn't last. Second Chronicles 25, 5. Then Amaziah assembled the men of Judah and set them by the father's house, by father's houses under commanders of thousands and hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He mustered those 20 years old and upward and found that they were 300,000 choice men, fit for war, able to handle spear and shield. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. Let me tell you something, folks. A good fighting force of war fighters costs money. But there is no price to place upon slavery without a good, effective fighting force. Even God saw the value of that there. First Samuel 38, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake, and you shall surely rescue. Here's another verse very similar. Deuteronomy 25. Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, Is there any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? 
Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicated. You see, when you follow the rules of God and you fight under the banner of God, it's always just. <laughs> I like this one. This is only two, two verses later. It just caught my attention. I thought I'd include it. Deuteronomy 27, and is, is there any man who, is, who has betrothed the wife and has not taken her? Air quotes. Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man take her. Covered all his bases, didn't he? All right, we're running out of time, so I better hurry up. I've got probably 25, 30 more, just so you know. In the Old Testament, there's so much war and violence sanctioned by Hashem. Sanctioned by God. Did you ever notice that? We get a lot of people that throw rocks at us as Christians and say, well, that Old Testament, that's nothing but killing and bad stuff. And then they always ask you this. They tether it to this, the people who are anti now, look, listen, there's nobody more anti-war than a war fighter. I just want you to know that. But nobody anti, no, listen, nobody is more of a peacemaker than the person who goes and puts their life on the line for peace. Understand that. A lot of folks will say, is this the same loving God portrayed in the New Testament? As though it is a conundrum. As though, as though it is incongruent. Now, I want to take this seriously by quoting a few verses that seem repugnant to us. In fact, I quoted some of them. Deuteronomy 20 contains Yahweh's instructions about war. If a city does not accept Israel's offer of peace and open its gates, then when the Lord your God delivers it into your hand, put the sword, put to the sword all the men with regard to other cities. The command is, do not leave anything that breathes. You probably also recall that the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Remember that little little uh, Sunday school thing? And they, they went around and they did their, you know, followed their instructions, and the walls came tumbling down. Well, guess what? That, they didn't stop there. And then the Israelites destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. That's Joshua 6.21 if you don't believe it. Now, this seems brutal. This seems vindictive, doesn't it? Or consider Joshua 11:20. For it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel so that he might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy, as the Lord has commanded Moses. Listen, everybody wants to be safe, and everybody wants the war fighter and the sheep. The, you know, he, you know he's, he's protecting the sheep. We want to send them. We want them to go do what needs to be done to win. Just like you don't want to see how scrapple is made or sausage, you don't want to know how that is. But what happens? We have politicians all the time commenting about how they should do it. Why? Because we all see battles on television now. I had originally thought that it was a good thing that we see uh, coverage from embedded reporters. I now totally and completely disagree. The average American public cannot handle the ravages of war, and therefore they should not. Because the decision that they should make for the benefit of the battle and the battle fighters is not the decision they make. The decision they most often make is, let's back off because this is inhumane. Now, in our 21st century point of view, we ask the question, well, what good was accomplished by all this annihilation? Yet there's clearly another side to God as well. Yahweh has this other side with the prophet Ezekiel 
He doesn't spare the wicked in his denunciations. He also records Yahweh's words of grace. If a wicked man turns away from all the sins he has committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, he will surely live. He will not die. Ezekiel 18, 21, 23. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord, rather pleased when they turn from their wicked ways and live. We live in a wicked, wicked, evil world. Sadly, we, the church included, behind the pulpit and in front of the pulpit, have ceded to evil. He goes on in verse 32, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord, repent and live. And then there's this compelling verse recorded in 2 Chronicles 16:9. for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. All these descriptions of God depict him as unwavering in retribution on evil, though he takes no delight in it. Also unwavering in love and encouragement toward those whose hearts are turned to him. God's obvious desire is that sinners should repent and live, but there comes a point where evil is finally intolerable and it is wiped off the face of the earth. And you know what? In this day and age, he calls the warfighter to go into battle and wipe evil from the earth. Do you know why God fights evil? Because in order for there to be evil, there must be good. In order for there to be good, there must be evil. We could not understand those two things unless there were wonderful, amazing, and horrifying examples of both. A good God and unrepentant evil. We must see these terrible retributions in their historical setting. We have to look at it in context. The spread of wickedness back then so pervasive that immorality, degradation, and barbarity invaded every facet of life. Children were sacrificed to pagan gods. Male and female prostitution took place right in the temple as part of the religious rites. Idol worship was rife, and the society was wholly and completely contaminated. This contagious, and God's people were infected. God's awesome judgment was finally unleashed. How then can we look back? In the state of Delaware, they're voting on Senate Bill 5. Senate Bill 5 is a late-term abortion bill. We talk about sacrificing your children to pagan. This always, this always kills me. It always kills me. The, the incongruity of, of the abortion argument. They'll wear T-shirts that talk about no death penalty unless you're a baby in my womb. And now the bill that's before us says we want to be able, when that baby could in fact live outside the womb, we want to tear it from limb to limb, not figuratively, but literally. And we say, but that was the time back then. No, we're just as evil. And we hear that it's tolerance that we must observe. Today, we've lost the black and white distinction between good and evil. We've merged it, see? What's happened is, is, is part of society has said, well, I don't want to say that it's bad. I just want to say it's not my choice. We don't want to judge anyone lest we be judged. 
And so then the distinction between good and evil becomes fuzzy and smoky. Tolerance is presented as a great religious value. You've heard it. Always the platitudes come. When something happens, tell us to be tolerant. What is the first thing the um, the head of the military, if you, if you didn't listen to Wednesday's show, go back and listen to Wednesday, Wednesday's show. We had Mark Sutherland from the UK on, and he was talking about the, the head of their police there in Manchester. One of the first things out of his mouth was a warning against people who would be angry at Muslims. Even before he offered a prayer to the families of those slain little girls as young as eight years old, he said, hey, don't pick on our... Muslim brothers and sisters, we are a diverse community, and we will prosecute anyone who does so. So tolerance is presented as a great religious value. Indeed, tolerance of diversity is a high Christ-like or Hamashian value, but often today tolerance is taken to mean something entirely different. It's taken to mean the virtue of accepting nearly every behavior under the sun. Anything goes in the name of tolerance. We can do whatever we want in the name of tolerance. A sweeping moral relativism is the result, and children grow up with fewer and fewer moral absolutes to guide them. They have no path because no one has set the sides of the road. We seldom hear the term sin anymore, but instead a dozen much more but much milder words are employed. Surely the Lord will not tolerate this abomination to his holiness forever. Now, we don't like to accept the fact that when evil spreads, the innocent as well as the guilty are harmed. You know what? When we dropped the bomb in Hiroshima, the whole city died. Not every single person, but the city came to a screeching halt. Both the innocent and the guilty died. A few days later, as a direct Result, as we're told by the leaders of Japan, a few days later, we're told peace came. The war came to an end. It was indeed a terrible end, but it was the end, and greater carnage was avoided. Warfighters going into battle to win against evil. The entire Bible, from the beginning to end, never, de never ever deviates from the standard of justice as well as grace. Yeshua is crystal clear about the punishment of evildoers. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's Matthew 25, 41. Our society does not much care about pain and punishment. It prefers the meek and mild. The description of Yeshua, the meek and mild. We love that. We love that, the soft focus on the painting with the prayer, hair flowing and product in the hair and the perfect skin and the nails that aren't dirty or no calloused hands. Contemporary writers always love to portray him that way. But the God of the New Testament is a changeless God. He is the changeless God of the ages. And in the affirmation, in that particular affirmation, lies our only hope, the clarity and white, truth and lie, justice and injustice, good and evil. Clearly, we've all missed the mark. Each of us stumbles. Each of us have wounds, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Each of us have sins. Even the most godly among us affirm that over and over. They say, man, if you only knew. Oh, you're such a godly person. If you only knew. Only by the grace of God. That's not the end of the story, nor even the overriding theme of the Bible. For as humanity spirals deeper into self-gratification, God intervenes. 
Indeed, the Old Testament is a record of God's intervening in the human situation with a new promise of hope. And that new promise of hope is the New Testament. We would never have the New Testament were it not for the Old Testament. The New Testament is the record of grace applied to people lost in their sin and their rebellion. And there's no compulsion placed on God to undertake this rescue operation. He didn't have to. But the plan was and is indescribably can you imagine how marvelous there's old hymn oh how marvelous oh how wonderful indescribably so god didn't forget about guilt and justice rather yeshua hamashiach jesus christ the god man took upon himself the punishment and so satisfied satisfied this grisly sentence that we all deserve that's what christians or hamashians call grace the bible is mainly a record of grace set against a backdrop of horror and misery you know you guys know i'm into i'm into photography and I, i'm just trying to learn about um macro photography and I'm, i've chosen flowers and little insects to take pictures of and but i got some counsel from from an artist this week who said hey those are good those are sharp but what you want to do is you want to Put a backdrop, some backlighting there. Give it some dynamics. Yes, they're very sharp, and that's really cool, and the color's great. It's interesting, but you want to create some drama there. You want to create a better picture. The backdrop sometimes is the beauty of the foreground. A record of grace set against a backdrop of horror and misery. This is an ageless and eternal story persisting into this new millennium. The evil surrounding us seems to be growing. Moral apathy is just sweeping across the nation. And it seeps like a, a poisonous fluid into every part of society. But still, God's grace shines through. His love persists. He calls and he calls until the very last moment. Have you discovered his grace today? It's there and it's available for you to live every single day and i want you to remember this throughout the history of the world god has used warriors for his good battles cost lives of the good with the evil i wish i could tell you that wars in wars only the bad die but that would be untrue battles cost the lives of the good with the evil and you know what? It is for the good warriors this Memorial Day is observed. I wonder, you know, y'all are always hearing me talk about, you're always hearing me talk about Gold Star families and find a Gold Star family in your neighborhood. Pay attention. Look around you. Tomorrow, uh, I know there's lots of people listening uh, all around the world right now, and and tomorrow if you're, if you are observing Memorial Day, first of all, get your flag out. Get your flag out. Make sure it's crisp and clean, that the white is white and the red is red and the blue is blue. Clean up the tattered edges a little bit. And hang it with pride. God gave us this nation. It was the greatest gift mankind has ever known outside of Christ vacating this week, especially tomorrow as those who are turning the cap on their beers or their sodas or their tea or their whatever it is they drink, and they're firing up the grill to cook them up some burgers or some dogs and eat some potato salad and 
macaroni salad and Spanish rice, whatever all you eat. I just want you to remember, take a moment, just a moment, and remember the gold star parent, the gold star son or daughter, the gold star brother or sister, and remember that Memorial Day is indeed probably only next to the date that they were killed in action, the hardest day, the very hardest day they have ever lived through. Big difference. Celebrate their lives, but remember them. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.